Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. It's not the off-season yet, but... Uh... It's coming, I guess. No, I'm actually having a hard time with today's topic, to be totally honest, because the countdown app on my phone, which I actually have a, a widget on my home screen, so it shows you whatever countdown you want to see, right. and I'm at like 18 days till my big race. I'm okay. racing the Ultra Trail Hurricana up here, up in Quebec, so 125K. I just kind of made out my pre-race document today, sort of detailing schedule and course profile and where the aid stations are what's in the mandatory gear bag and how they're gonna check it right shout out to them for an so excellent that's tech guide. you know not three weeks but uh, it's coming for sure and you know a lot of uh summer series is uh you know we'll start ending we have our provincials and i know a couple of the state championships are towards the end of august towards the end of the summer uh and, and, you know, you may have already done, you know, our big August long, well, not long weekend, but August uh, stage races, our August endurance weekend, which is the one after our Canadian long weekend, uh, have all passed. Uh, mm-hmm. So now you're, you're, you may very well be wondering, you know, what's next? What do I do in the off season? You know, does that mean take it all off? Uh, what do I do in the fall is a question that I've gotten. Uh, should I race cross? Should I join a Zwift league? These are all questions about, you know, once that, you know, obvious A race is, is past us, what do we do? Yeah, and I think I've said it before. I think it always is a good idea to, even if you don't have a perfect plan for your off season, if you if you haven't done your, you know, off season goal um, assessment or season assessment, whatever you want to call it, uh, even if you haven't done that, having a vague idea of what you want to do in the off season is sort of nice. Even as you're heading into your last couple weeks of racing, mm-hmm. I think just so you don't really hit the the final week of racing, you do the race and then you just kind of have a bit of a oh geez, what now? Well, and, and maybe I'll push back. I don't know that's exactly what you meant, but you know the you uh, I guess what you meant was you it, if you're still racing, you haven't done your post race post season analysis. That that I guess is logical, uh, but you may want to have a plan for that off season because sometimes that is what helps you push. You know, I am going to take a month off after I finish Leadville. Uh, that's what right? I mean. Yeah, having that already sort and, of in and the so back. So for your some head. people, that is, you know, that's why you're pushing so hard is because you've planned that, uh, and it's a bit of a chicken and in, in the egg, right? Like, do I deserve the time off? Well, you know, you, you know, I don't feel like I worked that hard, uh, but but you wonder if sometimes that planning does help with that motivation mm-hmm. in the race. Yeah. Now, maybe we should also back up and we might even want to redefine or define what we're talking about when we say off season, because so this whole episode is what do I do in my off season? And I I think we were thinking about this more as just like your the entirety of your non-competitive year. Mm. Yeah, great point. Not just, you know, a lot of people will consider the off season to be three or four weeks of nothing after they finish their big race. And this is really coming from this is one of those things that got passed down from the pros we'll say well maybe Uh, even team sports right like i mean you hear about off season for football players right yeah and to some extent though with like pro cycling or pro running with them it does make a lot of sense to have that four weeks of just straight up nothing and maybe there even is like that bit of weight gain and we talk about race weight and all that stuff but i would say for most of us uh the like full-on off-season pack on the pounds drink all the beers like that's not really what we're talking about when we talk about the off-season and a little uh you know just throwback here to last week's episode right uh help me out with alexi's coach lucas with lucas uh was a great episode uh some really great wisdom in there and he talked a little bit about how it can be different for different athletes depending on you know is there a mental fatigue have it's been has it been a really long and maybe damaging season you know maybe you're nursing injuries through or or maybe it just you know a lot of my clients race once or twice in the year so there really isn't that much you know there i shouldn't speak out of turn here there, there can be mental fatigue you know we're all different uh but it's not quite the same as traveling to europe you know 10 times and racing the world championships and qualifying and uh, all this being away from home a ton so 
It really depends so much who we are, whether there there needs to be that one, two week, uh, three week, four week break or, or even longer. Right. And I think we do need to do reflection there and maybe even consult with someone um, because there are those among us who who may very well. That may be the best next step. Uh, you know, and I, I may be among you in, in a lot of those ways, right, where we get into that overtraining and heart rate suppression and plateauing where you want to work harder, you've worked harder, you've worked harder for 10 years, but <laughs> you never tried the off season. If you try it, you'd be bold, then sometimes that can be the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. Uh, most of us are maybe just don't you go to the cottage for a week and then you're back on the bike right yeah exactly so for the most part this episode is not necessarily about the exact act of the off season as a pro would refer to the off season where it is that like straight up time away from exercise we're more talking the time outside of race season so you've hit your goal races you don't have anything on the immediate horizon maybe you're thinking towards 2023 and sort of next year's races uh, you know a lot of stuff you've already maybe gotten into the lottery or gotten your ticket or gotten into the 2023 race so you kind of already have some of your stuff set or you just you usually do the ontario cups so you kind of know what your schedule is going to be and so i like this we're we're talking you know the off season then is you know the non-competitive part of the year and then we could maybe divide that right there's maybe uh, the transition phase is what you'll see in a joe frail training bible i believe that's what he calls it transition phase which can be a week to four weeks usually um I should have pulled out a textbook to be more textbook accurate, but I believe that's accurate. Uh, and, and again, that's like very much like go for a walk with your family. Maybe you go backpacking, you know, but again, you have to be very sensitive to like, are you the overtrained person who's doing too much? Uh, uh, Lucas mentioned someone who like water skied for like you know, eight hours a day every day or something, right? Uh, or, or you get injured, so you have to put in rules that you like, yes, you're not biking, but maybe you can't run as well uh, for some people. But then we get into... Uh, you know, what, what I would, you could call the accumulation phase, the base phase. Um, Dan John calls this the, the park bench phase, which I think is probably the simplest way we look at this is just, we keep showing up, uh, you know, and it's a little less concerned about times and wattages and all this. We have fun. We show up every day. We enjoy the process. Uh, and we wait again for the next bus bench or competitive phase of the year. And I mean, I'll say in my opinion, the off season is the time where having a plan or working with a coach is actually much more valuable than it is in season, especially if you're someone who's racing a fair bit. Uh, you know, if you're racing every week, you're you're actually pretty structured just by nature of the racing. There's kind of a limit to how much you can really do mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. during that time. And, you know, maybe you, you still want like I personally would much rather keep my coach and keep my plan throughout the year. But I actually think you can get the most bang from your buck from a coach in the off season because that's where you actually have the time and the energy and the ability to really work on limiters that you wouldn't be able to work on during in the season quite as well i mean how often have we talked about uh especially like pre-riding for mountain bike courses like the day before nationals is not the time to be like learning how to do that step up jump the time to learn how to do the progression that would lead to a step up jump is eight months now yeah (laughs) and we talked about how that i I like the word accumulation phase or the the phrase uh, for the phase accumulation because we're accumulating fitness which we could call base or you know aerobic base phase you know a lot of these aerobic adaptations take months to years right like this is this is why you keep getting better into your you know a young person starts racing and then they're they're getting better and better and they say you know 28 to 32 is that ideal well that's because they started at 16 so it's like this is a 16 year process to accumulate the aerobic adaptations and efficiency. And this is, I think, true for running too, right? Like you don't just get bouncy tendons, uh, you know, and, and this big heart and lungs and everything else. These are, are uh, structural adaptations that take a long, long time, right? Not these short-term adaptations. Uh, and then we also accumulate skills during this phase. And similarly, you know, you don't learn a backflip. You know, there are six-year-old kids who backflip, I guess now. Uh, but they've probably been cycling since they were one years old. <laughs> you know, maybe that's a weird example. But, uh, you know, you, you get what I'm saying is that a lot of times it, it, these these things take a long time. Uh, and and it, you can't just do it by starting in March when the weather gets semi-nice, you know, and then training to a a July race and doing three months of training and then, you know, nine months of off season. That's not really how 
endurance training works, right? And, and to go to the next level, it depends what your goals are. Who are you and what do you want to do? Uh, but yeah, it's a year round pretty much pursuit. Again, go on a vacation for a week or two or get the kids back to school for a week or two or whatever you're going to do. Um, but yeah, you, you gotta, <laughs> gotta keep moving. And even from like a practical perspective to me, skill stuff in the off season really makes more sense for me because I would rather knock on wood sustain a like hard crash botching a like attempt to bunny hop in November than I would the week before my big race in the summer. And I know now my lawyers say that I shouldn't acknowledge this and I should say we actually have time for gradual progression and ensuring that there's safety along each step. But but you're you're not wrong. But stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we remember I think you'll land enough uh, did something a collarbone or some really bad nasty crash and it was pretty far i don't think it even really disrupted her season a ton if i remember it, right but yeah it messed she up might have won an olympic season. medal that same year i think so. yeah, yeah. okay so th- there was a little I, i'm sure she didn't plan to fall uh but but yeah that's the idea is to give yourself a bit of a buffer for that worst case right this is the you know the d- protecting against downside um, and again, you know, this is, these are the reflections you were sort of hinting at it. And I think, you know, as we get to the fall, it is a good time to reflect back. We ask, what did you enjoy on the season? Uh, can you remember other questions that we ask? It's, you know, where did you feel like in the zone or thriving? Um, we asked the, the opposites of these, what did you really hate? You know, did you not like a certain type of riding or racing or group ride? Like I have clients that were doing the whole bucket list Leadville thing and, and they're done with it right? They, they did what they came to do and now they're going to try a different type, right? They just didn't like that style of racing. Yeah. I always like sort of thinking about, we talk about this all the time, like what's your ideal day and, or like, what's your ideal workout? And then almost basing your goals kind of off of that. I mean, it's, we've talked about this a lot. You have the people who want to race Leadville, but are training in the city and refuse to leave yeah, the city. They're training for crits. Yeah. They're doing crit rides, uh, but, but they want to do a hilly altitude race, uh, you know, on a mountain bike, on a gravel road. Right. And yeah. they're like, well, that sounds like a, not a good way to ride your mountain bike. And it's like, well, that's what you signed up for. Uh, you know, if you want to ride your mountain bike, then sign up for a mountain bike race. Yeah. And, and I'm not picking on Leadville. There's lots of people that love it. It's a very hard race if you're looking for a hard thing, but you know, there's also lots of mountain bike races out there. Mountain bike stage races are the best type of racing, um, in my opinion. So, I mean, that would be an example, right? But on the flip side, you know, those people who just peak, they pick these really hilly races and then they don't really like climbing hills. Well, there's cyclocross and time trials and crits and what other types of racing that, you know, track racing, uh, that all really favor power and flat riding, right? So you don't, you don't have to be a good hill climber. However, if what you really want to do is do these races that have a lot of hills, then you know what? The off season, putting hills on your to-do list mm-hmm. might be the thing you do. I, I would definitely say that's actually on mine for this off season. Right. Yeah, more hills. And that could be hiking, right? And I think that's, you know, when we're from our consummate athlete perspective, uh, and we've t- spoke about this, why do we love cross training? Well, in the uh, non-competitive season or what we're calling the accumulation phase, we want the volume to come up. And I always talk about that Joyce uh, textbook. I'm blanking on the name. High Performance Sport, uh, David Joyce uh, and co. It's, it's all the authors of different chapters. It's a great book, second edition. And there's a cross-training chapter that is so good. And, and it just like hit me in the forehead when I read this chapter because they said in the, in the accumulation phase, the base phase, you use cross-training to increase your volume. So you can be general. We also call this the general preparation period, GPP. You use cross-training and the volume goes up. And then as the race comes and we get into the specific preparation period, you do the specific thing. So the volume comes down a bit and it gets more specific. And I was like, oh, I mean, you know, I just slapped myself in the head. You know, it's just so obvious that how do you increase your volume? Well, you don't just sit on the Zwift trainer, you know, and pedal for 18 hours. Well, you go and you hike and you go and you do other fun stuff, right? Uh, and so for you, that might be hiking or more biking, uh, on top of your, you know, you know, I guess usual run volume, right. And then you could see the hours come up. Um, right. And I think that's, again, how do we avoid overuse? How do we balance things out over the course of the, the season? Uh, you know, I, it just makes so much sense. So I think that is what we're starting to think as we get into the fall then is, is how do we inc- gradually increase the volume, you know, in a, a stepwise process. Uh, but can we ease into our cross training too? So that would be another task that I give people is, you know, if, if the goal is running, then this is a two, three month minimum process to get up into, you know, even shorter steady runs. Um, but same for any cross training, right? Easing into it, starting to include it. 
Yeah, and I'd say a lot of this also comes with like needing to do a bit of a season assessment or fitness, whatever you want to call, call it limiter assessment and just sort of figuring out what what were your struggles this season? You know, were you right. in mountain bike races walking a lot of the features or were you walking a lot of the hills? Uh, you know, were you walking the descents? Um, kind of writing out where those limiters were for me, you know, hills are still just one of my limiters. I don't really run them all the time and I really should because most ultra races tend to be pretty hilly. Right. So before we get into our goal setting, then, you know, we're doing looking back. This might be looking back at your race notes and your training logs, you know, things like that. Uh, and this might, these might provide hints of things that you were just miserable about. Um, you know, I've had races in the year that were just miserable and miserable. And I think it took you saying, you, know, you just, you, you can't go back to this race anymore. You're just miserable the whole week you're there. So we just stopped going to those particular races, which I won't name. Um, and, and so that's, that's, I like your idea that it's just, if, if it kept coming up that I got beat on a hill, I got beat in a sprint, I got beat, uh, where else do I get beat? <laughs> I'm trying to think of passed on that step up. Cause you took the A line and someone else took the B line. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not me, but someone else might say, oh, I couldn't do the step up or I crashed on the step up. Uh, you know, these, this is where the homework is, right? And, and it seems like, uh, again, Lucas was talking about this, where the skills, it's not, oh, your Strava suffer score was so high today because you learned how to do step-ups. But if you learn how to get better at wheelies or step-ups or whatever it is, uh, you know, it, it's going to help you. You know, I think I need this. And they're with you for life and they're fun. Uh, and, and I think there is a sense of accomplishment, but that's not to say that it's every day you're going to see your your whoop turn green because you you did this little extra inch more of jumping, right? Well, and I think you need to kind of let go a little bit. Most of us, I'm going to say, got into biking or running primarily as like a, well, you know, you need to exercise because we're not getting any younger. We're not getting any lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, we got into it as primarily like a weight management tool if most of us are being honest. And it is really hard to go out and recognize that you're not going to be burning a whole lot when you're doing a skill session necessarily. Was there, there was like a Instagram reels thing, which I try and stay away from, but uh, something trending about flipping the switch on or flipping the something about like exercise for weight loss or something like that. Did you see that? I did not see oh, okay. that. Okay. Well, now you I was, spend way more time on Instagram than yeah, I do. Yeah, I guess so. I, I it might have been a what's the other one? It might have been a TikTok thing. I yeah, it okay. So anyhow, we are trying to flip that right where it's can we enjoy this sport? Can we get the community out of this sport? Can we get confidence out of this sport? You know, we get back to our four C's of being a consummate athlete, right? Which includes our cross training and what one am I missing? Cross-training, community, consistency, consistency. Right. So we don't want to injure ourselves and we want to ha- use cross-training and community to pull us out, you know, most days of the week, right? And that's to enjoy it. It's to, you know, it can be for mental stress. It can be, certainly it can burn calories, but we're also thinking just about fitness and ability to, again, fitness is not weight. Fitness is your uh, ability to do a task, right? So our ability to get out with our friends and to get out in nature and this sort of thing. Yeah. So we're talking about sort of off season. What are our limiters? So, you know, I was just kind of thinking through what our limiters are. We have, like we said, the technical, the skills work. We have the specific fitness, I'm going to call it, where it's like hills, sprints, Mm -hmm, like those mm -hmm. specific things. Which which you usually see those decrease in the off season, Uh, not to say that you couldn't do a block. And I do like these blocks, these two week focuses uh, or, or, you know, your traditional sort of three weeks on one week off, whatever, where we're focused on something. Because I really struggle to see when else you're going to do it, right? Because once you get into race season, it's really hard to make time to have a block where you really focus on getting good at hills or Mm -hmm. getting really good at sprinting. Right. And I mean, Hills is a, a tricky one. I think you could get skill instruction. I think not enough people probably do that. But I, I think also it could be, you know, you could motivate uh, a low focused fall by going to hillier places. Or or if you are more of a crit racer, you might start going and maybe go and try mountain biking and, and you're climbing a lot because of that. Uh, or, you know, just going to these environments to try and, and climb more hills. What was the other one you said? Sprinting? Sprinting, yeah. Which I think is more even just peppering in those like sprints during your ride, mm-hmm. not even necessarily mm-hmm. like super. We did a year where we were doing, I think this is a Mike Woods thing, to be honest, but I can't promise you that. But uh, animal sign sprints, so this depends a little bit on having it's animal signs. a very signs. Western Mass thing. Yeah, or California was okay for it. Um, and it really depends how far you go too, I guess, right? 
but it's not that it's supposed to be like the hardest sprint workout ever, but it, it's sort of just whenever there's a sign. So you're, you're always looking for the, the indication, the go sign, which I think is important. Uh, and then, you know, you sort of catch everyone else by surprise because you go suddenly sprinting up the road. Uh, it was great. It really hard. Uh, so that, that's maybe an idea you could invent a, some games like that, right? Where that can be fun too, or everyone, one other one I've played, even on mountain bike trails, uh, you, you have to be okay with passing and, and stuff as well, but everyone just has, you know, you, I don't know how, what you could call these matches, I guess, uh, one attack that they get to launch and it's throughout the ride. We're just riding conversationally, but everyone has one time where they just go and then everyone else has to jump on and go with them. Oh, I like that. And you usually set some sort of time limit or something so that it's not just turns into a race, obviously. Right. But it's, you know, to the next top of the hill or 30 seconds or whatever. Right. Like the person who goes has to just watch sort of the, the rough time. Uh, and if they get a gap, then they maybe get a point or something like that. Uh, but yeah, sprinting is, uh, I'd be careful with it, but certainly if you're not super burnt out from racing, you haven't been, you know, going full gas and racing, you could do a, a sprint phase. And again, sprinting something that maybe the track you could learn or get coaching on, uh, on the track as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then there is the, the time element as far as the limiters go in season, you know, if you're racing most weekends, uh, especially if you're racing more short course stuff, you probably haven't had that time to do those nice long rides. So this is more of your traditional base phase kind of version of it. But like uh, off season, great chance to actually up the volume, like you were saying before, whether it's with cross training or just in your actual sport, finally sure. getting in those long rides and runs. Yeah, and it's tricky maybe too because you're coming off of potentially a you know, you know, provincials or your big leadville we're assuming that we're recovered and we've done like the down sure sure so you've got you know one two three four weeks of, of very very light you know maybe you ride with friends or something but very very light we wouldn't even call it training maybe for you know these this period this transition period uh, and then, you know, you're going to get back to it. So, I mean, you wouldn't go right back to upping your volume, especially if you were one of these Leadville or stage race people, you were probably doing a pretty big volume potentially beforehand. So we do want to step back up and where you, you start is, you know, up for debate as far as hours, right? We want to leave a bit of slack so that you can increase a bit each week, I think is a good bit of advice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, I'm looking at this as like a nine month situation not like your four weeks after your goal race sure sure this yeah. is just like until your next goal race so probably till like next may or june i do think you know especially for the road gravel crew it's harder with mountain bike people because we do want to while you have trails you know you probably want to ride but I, I do think that it, it's not the worst experiment to do a, a pretty uh you know low intensity or, or aerobic we could say block even in that fall i don't think that's a, a waste of time either right it, it's pretty low stress on the mind uh which is i think a good good feature of it especially if you're going to be riding the trainer uh which usually ends up with more intensity and more focusing and staring at numbers i think a lot of people are just missing that too that just pretty aerobic and that then the volume can actually come up as much as you have time available really right um but yeah it's something a lot of people don't do where it's pretty you know we could call this like a maffetone block or or, you know again a zone one block you know maybe there as you say there's a little bit of sprinting peppered in there if you look at a joe frill zone or base one phase Uh, a lot of the early base phases have some sort of speed or force uh sprinkled in them Mm mm-hmm you know, it's funny, as we're thinking through all of this, we always have these race season goals or like goals around our races. But I feel like I actually, I feel like off season goals are way more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm more of a fan of them. And I think it's way easier to set process goals. So what do you mean by that? Well, I, you know, coming back to the skills one, setting the goal of being able to do a bunny hop over a, you know, foot high log. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, feeling confident on 300 meter hills. Right. Or what, whatever it is. That's, Which, a, that's good. Yeah. And I mean, we use this, you know, we've this five by two that we've taken a bit from Dan John. Uh, you know, I really like it. And so this idea that you go two week goals or two week sprints, which we've taken, you know, from programming where you, you go hard on something for two weeks. Most people can focus on something for two weeks, right? If you've ever tried some sort of a fancy diet. Uh, you probably focused for about two weeks and then, you know, it didn't go so well after there. That's sort of the way it tends to work. Um, so we don't want to go so aggressive on something, but again, could you go out and practice bunny hops for 10 minutes every day for two weeks? We could probably find time for that. Uh, you know, could you get in the next two weeks, could you get four sweet spot workouts in and just, you know, you finally put some effort into trying that whole sweet spot thing that, uh, Frank always talks about, right? There you go. 
I, I think that's good, right? And we can connect those two weeks then out to two years, which we just call seasonal goals in cycling. And I think that's where the power of this comes from is you, you want you have a lot of things you want to get good at, but you don't have to do them all now. But you sort of pick these, as you say, these sort of like monthly goals or weekly goals uh, to, to chip away at. And not all of them at once, but what can I do right now where I am given the weather and the bikes I have and the terrain I have? Uh, and then try it for two weeks, right? Can I get a little better at jumping? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course the off season also your good chance you kind of alluded to this running concept before for cyclists if you do want to start running the off season is definitely your time to try that kind of cross training but i'd say it's also the time i've heard you starting to ramp up more of that like strength work with some of your your clients yeah, great point yeah and both are ones that you know get done once or twice and then stopped because we're too sore or or injured or or it was boring or painful <laughs> Uh, so yeah, both are, are very slow entries, right? You know, we, for strength that, you know, you've, you're still sort of sticking with that 10 to 20 minutes more frequent, right? Yeah. I mean, I do my like 15 minute yoga core every morning that has a fair bit of like core work, body weight work, pushups, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then yeah, twice a week, I've got like a 20 minute routine with a relatively, relatively lightweight, I guess, like a lot of overhead presses and stuff like that with enough weight we'll say you know it's always funny I, I think i've brought this up before but i always find you see completely different it, it's good for perspective to see it um so i'll bring it up for everyone but you see completely different perspectives so you'll see a runner who's like i only work out my legs because i'm a runner and i don't want my arms to get big and then you'll see the flip side Which i only me. only work out my arms because my legs get too much work or, or some variation thereof and, and it'll be back-to-back -back calls then you'll be like so <laughs> maybe you two should just talk to each other or something right yeah i mean i think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle that doing everything is probably the the optimal right and you could do that with anything you could do it with endurance versus you know intervals or high intensity intervals or something like that but yeah i've always found it very odd for cyclists too just where they're just not doing anything for core or upper body it's all leg based and it just like that just seems so perplexing to me because right. Like we're already doing so much leg work and then it's always, then it's always the people that like, you know, hurt their backs trying to carry groceries or, you know, struggle in a race because like their arms are actually tired, which is like more of a thing in running mm -hmm. for sure. But mm -hmm. like, yeah. Uh, so I, I try and think about, you know, full body routine. So often we'll see, you know, these split routines and we'll have these more bodybuilding oriented routines, uh, I tend to go more on the lower side of things, but that's not to say we never do, uh, sorry, the lower rep side of things. So heavier weights, lower reps, um, which is relative to you, whatever hard is, but we're, you know, we're thinking under six reps a lot of the time. Uh, but, but when we start, it's often in this, you know, higher rep, use the weights you have because the, the reality, and we, we found this during the pandemic, everyone suddenly was into strength training, uh, which was good. Everyone tried it. So we're at home, right? And so it might be something like your coach, David Roche, has a couple of good videos I like of mountain legs, good, simple routine that people seem to, it, 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 10 minutes was too much. So he did six minutes. Uh, and it's, uh, if I can remember, it's something like, is it 50 lunges and 50 step ups each leg and then you're done? Something to that effect. Yeah. I don't actually do that one. Fair enough. But it's, it's a good idea. And, and I, I, the variation I did was, okay, great. Watch this video. And then in between, you know, drop and do 10 push-ups and then get up and do the left leg for 50 and then drop and do 10 push-ups and then get up and do your step-ups on the right leg. And, and then you're backing up, right? And Dan John calls that, you know, the levels. You're getting up and down. The exercise actually is on the getting up and down off the floor, which for most of us, anyone who's planning or anyone who's getting older uh, among us uh, probably will appreciate that practice getting up and down off the floor. Uh, but that, that's it. It doesn't have to be much more complex. Start with where you, what you get or what you got. And then when you get through two weeks or four weeks or six weeks of this, then we can start getting a little fancier, right? Maybe go to the gym, maybe try some heavier weights, add in a rapid, uh, you know, a couple different exercises, a couple variations. But I think that's a good way to start with strength and then running similar, right? Uh, we're, we're, we have a whole episode on this from last month. I think it was. We do. And Lucas touched on it last week as well, right? It's a, you got a, a big engine and your mind is wired up for, you know, 90 minutes is the only time you can ride for, or, you know, the workout is always 90 minutes or an hour or whatever you're wired up to believe. Some of us among us are up more up in the three hours, four hours. Um, it's not the same for running. So we're going to bucket running as a skill or bucket running as strength training. I say you jump up and down maybe a thousand times for every kilometer. It's not quite that, but let's pretend. So if you 
if I told you to do box jumps a thousand times, you know, <laughs> times five kilometers, 10 kilometers, you're going to run, you'd laugh at me, right? But that's what we do. And, that, and then we're sore, <laughs> you know, maybe we're injured. So we want to be, we slow with it. And there's a, mi- a bunch of ways you can look up couch to 5k. They're all pretty good run, walk programs. Um, there's a, lots of ways to do it. You know, you just need to find the way that you'll do and not go crazy. Uh, I try and get people to start with some skipping, uh, one or two minutes. You can place one leg and, you know, two legs until you feel like it's boring. Like you can do two or three minutes without screwing up, uh, which yes, it takes coordination, uh, but without being sore, without, you know, your Achilles tendons getting, you know, your calves getting sore, uh, but just feel bouncy and it's easy. So you're not the person who's going like, yeah, and, you know, kicking their legs behind them and, you know, put it, you know, looking up at the sky. It's all mostly coming from the calves and the feet, the toes. I talk about little toe hops. We do that and walking lots and lots of time on feet. So again, this is where you're even in that off transition period, get the dog, get the family, get a friend, get on a phone call, listen to our podcast uh, and just walk, you know, get an hour. An hour is going to get you a 5K. There's your first 5K, you know, quote unquote run, your bipedal motion. Uh, and then we can start peppering little running bouts into this. I did this with a client. It's been working great. He started with walks and, you know, a bit of weighted walking uh, and then just started peppering in some, we'll call them run walks, some 30 second strides, say five, six, 10, gradually increasing. And then he went and raced, you know, after, a, I think it was after two months of that, you know, walks a couple different variations of the run walk. He just went and raced a 5k and he was fine. Nice. A little sore the next day, but no problem. So all that to say this stuff, strength, we start with 10 minutes, six minutes, whatever you'll fit in, wherever you'll fit in during the day, uh, frequent most days. And then lots of walking, maybe some skipping, maybe some run walks for the running. Uh, and just put that as again, sort of just easing into it, give yourself two months and then you can start playing with five and 10 K's and whatever, you know, 90 minutes. Yeah. And it's funny, this is making me realize, I think, I feel like there's two types of athletes. There's the type that like when they don't have a race on the calendar for say the next like eight months, it's so hard to motivate to do anything because mm-hmm. the schedule is just kind of empty. Yep. Um, or even if they even if they work with a coach, it's hard to like motivate. Um, and then there's the the people who have the time and they will go to like the opposite end where it's just like an extreme back to you know like Lucas mentioned like ah oh, I'm going water skiing I'll do this for eight hours mm-hmm. or like oh I have you know suddenly weekends free I'm just gonna do ten hour rides every day. Um, for sure and there's lots of layers there right i was talking to a athlete this morning and you know they've actually gone to therapy uh, and said it was the best choice of their life right and and they still self-identify as you know do i as you know someone who tends towards the working harder to solve everything uh but you know that is i think worth you know and what else could we do in the off season we could go spend some time as paul check says working in uh where rather than working out uh, which is a little cliche but i like it uh so so that's maybe part of it yeah, so I think, you know, that that was all just to say having some kind of plan is probably going to be... <laughs> some guardrails, yeah. Having some guardrails, yeah, is better than no plan. And I think the off-season is nice because you do have a bit more flexibility with like, ah, oh, I missed a workout today or, you know, I need to shift my schedule a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we're not... The goal race isn't next week, so it's fine. We can make those you know little shifts i think people panic about the idea of keeping a schedule in the off season because they want to be a little bit more loosey-goosey and have the ability to sure uh do whatever they want on the weekend or shift their schedule around or whatever so they kind of shy away from having a plan but i think that having a plan and then being fine with being flexible with the plan i think is really the the sweet spot for off season well it's interesting i make a general preparation period plan that's for cyclocross gravel mountain bike uh and and it's the same plan i also make specific ones because some people that's what they search but it it is that it brings up the question of you know if you told me you were going to race aside from the time of year and the timing of everything i guess you know you're going to do a gravel three-hour race or a mountain bike three-hour race or a mountain bike 90 minute I, i don't know how much it really you know you're sort of building the same things the skills are all pretty cross you know and again this is very off road centric but again, even if you said it might be a road race, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we just did a gravel race here that there was road people and, you know, self-identified gravel people and cross people and then also mountain bikers. 
uh, like me that are more than the 90 minute mountain bikers. And there was the like eight hour mountain bikers and we all sort of rode the same bicycles, you know, about the same speed. So I think a lot of these skills are transferable. And so what I'm saying in this general preparation period, I don't, I don't think you need a goal as long as you're pretty sure that it's going to be a bike. If it wasn't a bike, then you might go a bit more, even more into the cross training in general and certainly the strength training. Um, I don't know. You've trained a, a, a few years where you didn't really have races on the calendar. Yeah, and it's never really phased me. And so it might be how you're wired up. Now, we yeah. could look two years down the road, and, and I'd say it can be fuzzy. I said, oh, maybe it'll be like something like we'll do like the Belgian waffle race, uh, Bel- Bel- Belgian waffle ride, like there's a series. Maybe we'll we'll go after that next year. But we haven't committed to that at all or really even talked about it much. But that's a higher level gravel racing than I've done. So this year I've, you know, we, we just got our, my main race of the year was this Eager Beaver. Uh, I enjoyed it. So that was one thing for me was just how did I feel about it? Uh, still not sure about duration on these things. Uh, this was a shorter one, so we'll see. But it was a little confidence. I was also unsure of, you know, can I even roll uh, at the level I want to? And so all that to say my two weeks, you know, I, I chicked away and rode that bike a bunch and got ready and got my equipment and got my tires and gave it a good try. And then now I can start planning towards that. And that, you know, we're not thinking about this year's, there's a whole series that I could do this year. That is the Belgian waffle, right? There's still a bunch of them left, Yep. but, but I'm thinking two years goal. So this is 2023. Um, so a full year from now, basically, you know, there's an earlier one too, right? But, uh, yeah, hang on. That's not two year goal. That's like, a. well, the two year goal is within the two years is, okay. is the way we think about that. Right. But where, who are you trying to become, uh, Oh, good, because I was for Leadville 2024 down on my bucket list this morning. So Right, right. And so that's even, again, it can be fuzzy where if that became, what's another one? Western states or, you know, they're, they're not that far apart in the year. And you're not even like, you're not saying this year's Western states either. So hopefully that's helpful for folks that they can say, okay, I want to be a gravel 100 mile racer. I want to be a 100 mile runner. I want to be a 50 mile runner. I want to be a whatever, right? Um, and then you can use this fall either to try some of that. I, again, the couple clients I mentioned who are sort of done with the longer Leadville stuff actually want to go down and do more like marathon three hour type stuff, uh, maybe even to the 90 minute. So they're going to try a few of those this fall without even much specific preparations again, cause it's in the general preparation. They're just going to try it because right? they might not like it at all, but it also then gives you a bit of a test of where the, where am I, you know, okay, we're 10% off the pace you need to be. And you don't know how to do a, a gap jump or hop logs. Uh, you know, you didn't use a pack. Everyone else is using a pack. So we start getting this checklist of, of things to take care of over the winter uh, before the, ne- the the season, the real season starts next year, right? Yeah, I know for me, as I was thinking kind of the same two-year thing this morning, like I say, I put Leadville 2024 on the calendar there. And then I started thinking, about, like, what does that look like? And it's okay, well, you know, what do I need to do next year to be qualified for it mm-hmm, in 2024? Mm-hmm. And then even back a little further, like thinking towards this winter, I said to you the other day, I think this winter I want to go train somewhere at altitude for a little bit, even just to see what that feels like. Even if it's not like a full on altitude camp, it's more of a altitude exposure, we'll call it. Right. right. Didn't Um, you do that this year? Train at altitude? You went to a training camp and a race. Not at altitude. Oh, wasn't Western States or not that much because it wasn't there for long. No, you're not really at altitude oh, okay. for very long. Um, okay. Well, that sounds like fun. Thanks yeah. for letting me know about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, calling my shot here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that, that's an idea, right? And it puts some some tasks on, you know, that we can start planning towards. So then you might start thinking, you know, where in the world could you go in the winter that's at altitude that's not in snow? Uh, you know, within the driving distance, right? So now, if anyone has any recommendations or places we can park a van, because this off season, you know, what have we not covered here again? Because people get really excited about off season and all the volume they're going to do, and I'm always a little hesitant because it's skills, it's back to school, it's what else do we do in the fall, right? There's all these other things that come in with a lot of people's lives that we forget about. You know, all of a sudden the Christmas shopping started. Uh, you well, know, Thanksgiving holiday season, pretty quickly, a lot of people, I think, have great pl- grand plans of mm-hmm, training. Mm-hmm. The weather, I mean, would be uh, one yeah. for most of us, people right? Have, it's Canada. It's already snowing here. People have grand plans of training big during the holiday season, but what I find when the holiday season hits, 
I do not want to train. I want to sit and do Christmassy stuff with my family. Mm -hmm. That is all. Which may motivate. I have some clients like this where it's that American Thanksgiving through to Christmas is going to be pretty transition, which is okay. Right. We just plan another transition phase. So that might mean building and even a race in November. It might be cross season. We didn't even talk about cross season. Should you race cross season or Zwift? Uh, I guess we can talk about that too now that I brought it up. But that's what I was on a thing. So doctor's appointments. Uh, or a big one, get your blood work. I actually put that on our list of... Especially uh, if you're like Molly and you want to go to altitude, we want to check iron before we go. Yeah. Uh, but just general blood work is important. Yeah, I had that on my list of potential limiters. Was that like lifestyle... Gen- We've talked about this. I think we actually talked about it last November. We had an episode where we talked about all of the different like doctors and physical therapists mm-hmm. and stuff you could do in the off season. I think this is a great time to get your gear in order, especially with bike ordering, ordering. times. Glassford like I, I just spent ordered a bike. hours last week, yeah, on that. Maybe uh, it'll be here by next maybe March. Maybe by March. Possibly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, that's the way of things right now. That is the way that it is. It is how it is. Yeah. And so that's, you know, all these admin things take up time, but they all relate back to what are you going to do next year, right? Do you need a gravel bike? You know, what do you need as far as that equipment? Uh, but the health one, and then I, I do think that the injury thing, a lot of us, this is why we're doing strength training. This is why we're doing cross training. It's because I think it exposes those weak links. I am actually doing a presentation coming up uh, with Dr. Mark. Uh, we're both speaking at this uh, uh, physician's conference coming up. Uh, Dr. Mark Roker. That's right, who's been on the podcast. Uh, and he, where was I going with that? He's big on sort of these fundamental movements as well. So he's really great with, you know, the crawling and the rolling and this sort of stuff, which can be really, really neat. Uh, and sometimes the neck pain and the, the different aches and pains can come back to that. Uh, but we're both really jazzed on the idea of, you know, strength and cross training. And, and my presentation is going to be around cross training and injury. And I do think that when we, you go running and you're like, Oh, my right calf for me, it's my right hamstring right now. is just giving me some trouble. And, and I feel it on the bike, but it's not nearly as aggravated by it, right? And so I wonder sometimes if that's where we get these pieces where we can start, okay, in the strength training routine, we're going to try and target those hamstrings. And does that then help with the bike next year? For you, it may be more obvious, right? Like you have some sort of thing that you've been nursing through the season. And I think that's priority number one. We don't nurse things, right? What have I been nursing? Rather than thinking, oh, my CP20, you know, my 20-minute time trial, my threshold needs to get to 220, you know, from 210 or whatever it is, if you just weren't having back pain or knee pain or whatever, right? And, and so we think about trying to bring up those lower scores, we'll say, uh, rather than always focusing just on this like seemingly controllable, you know, Zwift number. For sure, yeah. Wait, have I been nursing an injury? Mm, I don't know. Your knees are sort of. I mean, these are always just like a yeah. little wonky, but I don't know that there's anything. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't want to give anyone a complex about this, but could you spend, again, this gets into, do we need to run at all for a month or could we just do a focused strength training block? We know that strength is, is going to go better generally without intensive endurance training, which is what most of the folks listening are doing. Uh, you know, sometimes it's good to have this build up period where we're not just tearing things down and trying to lose weight all the time. Uh, it is better to have some anabolic time of the year. For sure. And I definitely was thinking about that even as I was like plotting through today after Hurricane is over in a couple weeks. Like, what do I want to do mm-hmm. for a month? And I do think it's going to be a bit more biking. We also are just going to have like, or I'll have like a pretty hectic work month after that, right, I think. Right. Uh, hopefully anyway. Uh, that's the the dream and what we love with the cross training too is different communities so if you haven't gotten you know if you're the other client i was talking to this morning on a a call you know was talking about how at the the gym and just the different communities they they sort of found through different trying different sports and this is really what we're after right if if you haven't quite found it with cycling or you're one of these you know you always want to climb faster and there's all these you know really tiny people and you go to a gym, you know, you might find that like, wow, these are my people and all this while, right? And so we've had a few of these and this is why we're so jazzed on this idea of cross training. Not that you leave cycling and you're not a cyclist anymore, but, you know, Coach Chris Mayhew, one of our good friends, uh, Pittsburgh uh, coach, and uh, he found CrossFit. He's still a cyclist, great cyclist, and, and but he loves CrossFit and has found a really great CrossFit. Not the first one he went to. He had to, you know, search around a little bit. Uh, but he found a great gym environment that he's been able to contribute to and, and take from as well, right? So we do want to say, you know, when we are, are try these different 
swim class, you know, so this might be a great place to, for you to sample mm-hmm. for a month or two uh, as you're building up. Yeah, for sure. And even hopping into, we've talked about the, the stuff that seems fun. Like we love salsa classes and all that mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a really good chance for Had that. a client, he's trying hip hop class. I can't, I can't say too much about this, but Amazing. there's some sort of, there's going to be a presentation of a dance. Like he's very, he's not really trying to like become a hip hop dancer, but he's, he's trying to learn a choreographed routine for some sort of great reveal. It's going to be fantastic. I love it. I yeah. love it so much. Yeah, and a very Actually, two weeks school. We had uh, we had Danelle Kabush on a long time oh, ago right. talking about it. she got super into hip hop. I was dance I forgot about that. Yeah, and and not uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is I, I you know it's, I wouldn't have thought that that was what she was into, but I guess she, you know that's what she listened to, and then you know as an adult gave it a try. Yep, and loves yeah. it. Yeah, and not that you have to be a hip hop dancer for your whole life, right? But just do something else for a little while. Uh, you know, get that brain working too a little differently. Mm-hmm uh try learning right it, it some of us as adults get pretty stuck and i'm as bad as anyone right where it's it's very frustrating to be a beginner at things but it is also very rewarding to see week to week progress yeah how's that ukulele plan coming i'm still dedicated to that um uh, i do not see our ukulele well someone here. didn't pack it and hmm. uh as a middle-aged man <laughs> i it's expect true. you to pack all my things Okay, uh, some rapid fire questions. The Zwift uh, race, and should I Zwift race, you know, through the fall when we could otherwise ride outside? So I'm adding a bit of context to this. I, I always like if it adds to your week in terms of a little bit more training volume, you know, you wouldn't get to do anything that day. Um, and it doesn't take away from, you know, family time or you could be riding outside, uh, working on skills, riding with friends, then then it's probably okay. But I am just hesitant if that's what the winter is going to look like, and you're you're giving up time to ride outside for fun, for skills with friends. Uh, I'm hesitant, but I, that's my general response to Swift things is I'm hesitant. Uh, but I think for the fall, uh, and especially in that transition period, I'd be very very careful. Definitely, if there's an opportunity to go outside versus training on the trainer, mm-hmm. definitely go outside. Like, well, outside. just ask, right? Yeah. Like, what for what, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if there's a race coming up that you need to have the volume in, but I, I would just be, and again, this is from coming from Canada. I just always try and protect that that trainer energy. If you think about it, like a battery pack, and if you start draining it in August. It's sort of like the cross is coming when everybody, it's like July and cross is coming. And then by the time we get through September, everyone's almost a little burnt. Yeah, you've been riding around on grass and jumping on and off your bike, right? And it's, you know, you probably have a month or two of that. It's great. I love the sport. But if you start in August, (laughs) I don't know if you're making it to October when the races actually start. It's true. Uh, let alone to January if you're trying to make it that far. So yeah, you you want to be careful with that and, and just sort of reflect a bit on why, like would a walk or a hike uh, make more sense? Is there an option to go outside even if it's not a, a perfect zone two, you know, whatever TSS ride? Uh, but to each their own. You know, we have a couple clients who, you know, that's their main social period and they're on the Discord and it's their best friends from around the world. It's the only time they chat and interact. And, and they love it and that's great. Team atmosphere. And they may also have Zwift. You know, I'm very open to the idea of having goals in esports. You know, Noah went to national or sorry, Worlds uh, for Canada this past year and Anna uh, as well. Uh, for nationals. Uh, so there are people out there who are, are into the esports, and, you know, it doesn't matter what my feelings are on it. That's their goal. And so in that case, then we could say, okay, there is a skill of this, even if it's like a, a fun uh, Zwift e-series, you know, in the fall, there may be learning the system and the attacks and the boosters and the which bike you have and whatever, right? Uh, the team time trial tactics, all this stuff. So I, I think we can apply a lot of those rules to sport, but then we'd have to start planning out too that you now you have a race in January or whenever it is. We do want to make sure that this isn't like a year-round race season and there is built-in breaks and built-in accumulation and built-in utilization or, or sort of competitive phase. Yeah. Okay, so that was Zwift. What do you think about cyclocross? Should I race cyclocross? I mean, I feel like anyone who knows me knows that my answer is an automatic hell yeah. But but, but would you say in the off season or, or what what's, what do you think about that? How does this fit in this framework of off season? Well, I think the first question is, is it fun? Like if, if cyclocross isn't your main sport, do you enjoy it? Is it fun? Right. And I guess sort of what's your minimum viable like buy-in in that case? Because like, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. You only have so many 
like race days or race weekends in you, whether we're talking about like just what your family, like what your life can right. allow, right. or even just how many times can you go super, super, super deep for two days a weekend, every weekend. Um, so let's say I did Leadville and uh, my wife, who is not you, uh, you know, is really mad because I've been, a- been away for a long time and I was doing these massive rides and driving to ride and, uh, you know, doing all this stuff and, uh, you know, was away and then I'm finally back and I've been really tired for two weeks after the race. And now I'm excited about cross and I'm going to go every Wednesday night and Thursday night and do cross practice and also do doubles on every weekend. <laughs> I'm not really the person to ask about this because I definitely like hurt relationships in my early twenties doing this exact okay. thing. Okay. Uh, so in this case, I'm the jerky husband who jumped from one to the next. I guess I could have said spouse cause it could go either way. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, this is sort of, I'm only a fan of racing cyclocross if it fits neatly into your life and your all of your goals, not just your athletic goals. So, sure. you know, if if your spouse also really loves the cyclocross scene and that's actually like a fun weekend activity for you two to go to together, mm-hmm. then fabulous by all means. Uh, but if it just means you're back on the road after having just gotten home, I'm a little less inclined to say that you should be out racing cyclocross. Sure. So I, I think you want to give that a bit of reflection. I'm always hesitant about double weekends, which I think we've done a couple cyclocross episodes. Uh, and, and this is for adults. Again, I'm not talking about pros. Uh, you do what you want. Uh, but for adults, right? I'm just always hesitant about that. It pretty quickly is doubles every weekend and maybe a cross practice during the week. So it does get, it's just a lot. And I mean, I almost question like, could you, instead of doing a double, but if you want to be there because your friends are there or whatever, could you race one day and either not race the next day and just spectate, cheer, work, yeah, volunteer or work in the pit? Like, is that an option? Sure. Because honestly, those days, way more fun. I will say I had way more fun in cyclocross when I was working with a team than I ever did racing. Okay. Uh, that's an endorsement. But so <laughs> well, I was bad at cyclocross. So I would say the people I coach who are doing cyclocross and that's their thing. So they've taken some time off. Uh, they've raced maybe road or mountain. And then usually in August, there's a bit of a, you know, we'll say build phase towards cross, maybe a bit of a break somewhere in there too, just cause you know, it's going to be mentally tough going through what we just described you know because if you are racing cross that might be what your weeks look like uh you know some variation of weekly practice also weekend one or two races travel potentially so they're building towards it so they're not really racing often in august not to say that you couldn't include races in your build for august but that that's the rough you know i'm racing cross you were going to say something no i've lost it now um oh oh uh, racing cyclocross shouldn't be because you had a crappy main season. That happens really frequently. I think like someone's mountain bike season doesn't go according to plan or road season does not go according to plan. So suddenly they're like, I'm going hard on cyclocross and you're like, but you haven't even had a week off. Right. And that's, I, I almost have that urge a little bit. Um, you know, I had I a, know sh- a shortened season and I, I think I've talked about, you know, trying to keep within you know close to home for any of the races so a lot of the races weren't big our nationals was luckily within that perimeter i set up uh so i I feel okay you know pretty good and again this last race i was happy with form uh but then you know i'm also holding back a bit and i'm thinking you know i take this you know what did i call it anabolic period this build-up period this fall again i mentioned my hamstring and then try and start building back and think about, you know, again, again, the two year goals and thinking a bit more big picture rather than like, this has to be the cross season that I, I go after. Um, you know, but I, I get it. I get, you know, that idea of that. I still have energy. The races are there. I want to be part of it. Uh, I will say, you know, if, for anyone, you know, assuming you're not injured or burnt out hugely, I think after a break, I think cross is great, especially the, you know, pretty much if a client asks if they can do like a weekly cross practice slash race, there's usually some sort of hot lap or race attached to cross practices. Usually my answer is pretty much yes. It's rare that I say no because they're pretty social. They're pretty low key. They don't, I sort of ask questions about dinner time and family and stuff uh, because they can get late. Uh, but if the weekends are pretty free, uh, I, I rarely like, it's a good way to keep some intensity with community and skills. 
Uh, so it sort of checks those boxes, right? You get a bit of speed maintained, bit of skills, bit of community. It's a pretty quick thing. And, and again, you're outside when the weather's poor. So I, I rarely see that the the cross practices, the midweek stuff is, is an issue. Uh, but again, I think if you're thinking about full cross campaigns, that's a season. And so you want to, again, plan it just like I mentioned with the Zwift stuff. Yeah, I think at this point, it's way too easy to race all summer, race cycle cross, then get race track, e-race. race fat bikes. <laughs> oh, you went even that way. I was going to go Zwift racing. Okay, yeah. And then Zwift racing until it's gravel season again. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you travel to do a, when's that, uh, is it called Mid-South? What's that early one? Yeah, March? Mid-South. March? And now it's, yeah, now it's early March and boom, like you got off the trainer and into Mid-South and now you don't stop. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people are falling into. So I think it's. And you got to do Iceman in November. So uh, yeah. 24 I mean, hours in February. I guess all of this to say this whole episode is like, it's the off season. Now what? I think point number one probably should have been yeah, there should be a period in the year where you don't have any races on the calendar for a bit. Yeah. And uh, that should probably a big chunk, yeah. That shouldn't just be the four weeks of like quote unquote full on off season. Mm-hmm. It should be, yeah, a few months where there isn't anything. And that's that's really what we need to, you know, recover and then build back up so that we actually are making these continuous improvements year after year. And the big thing, and maybe this is where we even want to end, we wrote about this last two years ago. Because everyone, uh, do you remember in 2020 when races were supposed to come back for 2021 and everyone was like, oh, there's so much time before my mm-hmm. like goal race. I think it was like, it was May and Unbound had gotten like officially canceled and moved to 2021. And everyone was like, oh, so much time between now and then. And I remember even when we're talking about a full year from that race, you're like, okay, so there's 50 50 weekends right. before that race. So 50 long rides, mm-hmm. maybe even a hundred long rides. If we're being like, if we're really saying that we can do two long rides a right. week, so a hundred, but then you're going to have the kids have birthdays. You've got that work presentation, few holidays, maybe a family I mean, vacation. You'll get sick and or injured. You're sick. You're injured. Also it's Canada. So we just canceled out uh, 50 of those. Yeah. weekends. <laughs> So because because that's what I want. The, the thing was like, were they hot gravel? Like, are they actually even outdoors? Yeah. Before you know it, you're actually only down to like, oh, I only have three long, hot gravel rides left before <laughs> the race. Which is a little happening. panicky, but it, it is true. Yeah. So I think that is just kind of that good reminder that even if your goal race feels like it's really far away and you're feeling like that just wave of like, oh gosh, this off season is looming and I mm-hmm. just, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself and there's so much time and like, ugh, there's way less time than you think. And so that's exactly it. Like I, I can think of two examples. I have a client I've been doing some skills work with and you know, the technical side of gravel is tougher uh, and they did a great job for four weeks before this latest gravel race, you know, going actually to the, even the course because it's on open, you know, it's gravel, it's open roads. Uh, and riding the more technical pieces, it's it's some of the dismounts and the mounts and the you know loose climbing, loose you know high speed descending, right? You know whatever what's technical gravel, I guess. Uh, and they got a little better, and they did great. You know in that segment, they could say it was faster than the the year prior, uh, which is cool to see, right? You worked for four weeks on your skills, and you rode a section faster, uh, which is great. But then what's next? You know the question comes up: What's next? What's with the off season? Well, about the same thing you know, get a couple, you know, it's, it could be seconds faster. It could be smoother. It could be, you know, more consistent. Uh, but that's about it. You know, more skills, more riding that train, more getting to that environment, making it normal sometimes, right? Like what's your environment? Well, if you're, I like the move that idea of the zoo human, uh, you know, you're in a cage riding your trainer in, you know, you don't balance, you don't look at anything. Uh, you know, while you're, you how is a gravel race with a bunch of puddles and loose train going to go, if you're normal is you ride, you know, closed gravel roads that, you know, have no winter maintenance, whatever, the puddles, the loose rocks, all this technical stuff with hills up and down breaking. And that's your normal. Well, who are you going to bet on? Right. So that's, that's the idea. That's, that's the goal of what we're trying to do. And I said, I had two examples and I'm trying to think of the other one. Oh, I guess it was. So I raced last year and last week and I got beat right at the end. You know, the second place person who got beat me for second, Got me on, it was a popper climb. 30 seconds, like we were sort of rolling along, rolling along. Uh, and then it was just 30 seconds. Had I just been able to go with him for 30 seconds at the end of the ride. So 
there's motivation for my next two weeks. I took all this week pretty light. We were away. Uh, and then back at it this weekend. And that's, you know, big, long endurance ride with a bit of intensity at the end where it started feeling, you know, crampy and legs are burning and, you know, tried to stomp out some of those, right? Is it, I don't know if it's the perfect thing, but it, it's, you know, a rough idea uh, to feel that, right? And play with that and make it more normal that, oh, at the end of a long ride, sometimes there's, <laughs> we're going to just attack each other viciously. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that helps, right? That's the idea of like in these next two weeks, what can you get better at? Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, I think we should wrap up there. Hopefully that gave you all some good ideas for the off season. And if you want to discuss what you're going to do in the off season and maybe talk through some of these things, figure out what might make sense to focus on, maybe talk through what a great two-week structure would be or even what the next few months could hold, uh, you can definitely head over to consummateathlete.com and book a call, chat it out. Uh, you don't need to be a coaching client of ours to do that. Uh, often we actually find... Uh, a lot of people who aren't just kind of want that second opinion or if they're coaching themselves want that first opinion and just want to kind of run through some scenarios and bounce some ideas around so definitely hit that up if you feel so inclined all right with that said have a great rest of your week and we will see you next tuesday thanks so much for tuning in to the consummate athlete podcast If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 